Dots. I'm Dr. Latifah. I'm the host of the Money Fit MD podcast. This is where we help badass women physicians just like you learn simple and effective tools to build wealth from the inside out. That way we can create wealth and bigger impact without all the burnout. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode with your coach, Manifit MD. How are you guys doing? I have missed you guys. Listen, y'all. So here's the deal. I mean, you guys know that I batch record, which means that I record these episodes and then I release them and schedule them. But I feel like I always want to talk to you guys. And I, I really do imagine that we're having a conversation, like a two-way conversation together. And that may be me hallucinating or it may be real. However, I sometimes actually think about releasing more than one episode a week, like two episodes, because I just feel like when I think about you guys hearing me, I feel like we're sharing space. So I am Mm -hmm. super excited to be here. I'm excited that you're listening to this episode. And I am really, really deeply excited and joyful about the guest that I have for you guys today. This is none other than Dr. Don. She's a physician. She is a life coach. And she is going to come here and educate you and I about how authenticity is important as we build our life and as we build wealth. So welcome so much. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Latifah. And you forgot to say I'm a gastroenterologist like you. Okay, That's so girl, guys, girl jet doctors. Like scratch that intro because that is the most important part. She's a badass GI doctor. And if you're a GI doctor and you're listening, you know, I'm I'm not fair at all because I have a special love for us and primary care doctors. Everybody else, I love you. But GI doctors, we're amazing. So yes, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So much love. So much love. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to talk about authenticity with one of the most authentic, real, vulnerable leaders that we have in the coaching space, in the empowerment space, and in the GI space. And so I love that you're a mama you're a doctor and you're killing it in all the ways and you're encouraging all the women to step up and take what belongs to them. And is just so excited to be with you because you've, you've let us walk with you on this journey of authenticity as well. So it is great to be in your community. So you guys see why I love her? <laughs> refreshing is what comes mm-hmm. to mind. Just joyful, refreshing. And you just want to sit down and not even drink tea or wine like I normally <laughs> tell you guys to do when you listen to me. You just want to lie down and just, just listen to her. But enough about me. We want to hear about you, woman. Tell us, who are you? Why are you here? What makes you take all that okay. good stuff? All everything. the things, all the things. Yeah, so I am a girl who was a military brat. So lived all over the United States, was born literally in a trailer park. So not a silver spoon in my in my mouth or anywhere in the house. And that's all good. Saw my parents grow up through poverty, you know, got all my clothes at Goodwill, all that things. And saw my dad move jobs all over, lived all over the United States and outside the US. And I knew I wanted to do something that was going to impact people regardless of what was going on in their life, their socioeconomics, et cetera, something I could do around the world. So I decided to become a doctor. What? Where is that coming from? I was the first person to even go to college. And so I went to my optometrist, said, I want to be an optometrist. So why would 
to just be an ophthalmologist. I said, I don't even know what that is, how to spell it, how to say it. What are you talking about? He said, well, you go to medical school. You can learn how to do surgery. I said, well, don't you have to be smart or rich? He said, no, you just have to work hard. Well, my parents taught me how to work hard. So I worked hard and then boom, boom, boom. I ended up getting to medical school, residency, and then fellowship. And to end up in gastroenterology, one of the most competitive fellowships was amazing. I got a 23 on my biochemistry test. You know, I was not the smartest kid in medical school, but I worked my tail off and I had a reputation of working hard and being a servant leader already as a resident and as a medical student, because I always thought it was a privilege and honor to be in medicine. So I worked harder than a lot of others and I was rewarded for that. I ended up with an amazing, fruitful career. So continued on through that trajectory. I served those around me. I hated sodas. And no matter what I was taking care of my patients, whether it was reflux or constipation or fatty liver disease, I was always talking about sodas. So I wanted all the sodas out of the hospital. How would I do that? Well, I had to get the leaders involved. So I did a wellness program with the leaders. I recruited them to do what I called the 10 most wanted mind body activity. They all got their MBA. And then as a result of serving the leaders, the CEOs and leaders, the hospitals, I got into many leadership positions that I was never trained for and never asked for. And then being a leader in the South, when unrepresented specialty for females, gastroenterology, it made an impression. And so when there was more committees that came up, I got nominated to this, I got nominated to that. And then it just blossomed that all of a sudden as a leader and all these other women were coming to me, asking me how to be leaders and telling me about their problems, telling me about their sexual harassment issues, telling me about their pay disparities, them not wanting to ask for raises, et cetera. And I had to get educated and I had to get involved in the space. So I wasn't looking to be a women in medicine leader, but that found me. And so here I am. And so 20 years later, I lead women leaders in medicine programs and um, I'm loving it. It is my passion. It is my drive. I want everyone to have a voice, everyone to be at the table. We're all better. Healthcare's better. Leadership's better. The hospital's better when we all are having our voices heard. You gave me goosebumps more <laughs> than once. I mean, amazing. Your journey. And I'm going to rewind way back in time, way back in time. So, I mean, I love you. I know you. And there's a lot that I've learned just from hearing you talk about your experience and your life. Let's go back to that optometrist. Yeah. What brought up that conversation? Oh, I loved it. So I wanted to be relevant. I wanted to be able to help people. And I thought these two little holes in our face open the whole world to us. And if you're a believer and you know the word, so many of the miracles Jesus performed involved sight and involved giving people sight in incredible ways. And I thought if I can help people with sight then I can change their life. I can change their world. And I want to be a part of that. And so doing that, and then when I made it to medical school, which was amazing because it shouldn't have been in the cards for me, but I made it to medical school. Even one of my classmates from high school showed up at orientation. She goes, Dawn, what are you doing here? Are you smart? I'm like, you're here too. You know, so we're there. But I did my rotation ophthalmology and I was no offense to all the ophthalmologists in the world, but I was bored out of my mind. They wanted to know right eye or left eye, right eye or left eye, which cataract or 
we do today. And I was like, oh my gosh, why are they on these 23 medicines? Why do they have all those problems? What is the CHF versus cardiomyopathy? What's the difference? Like, we don't care. Just right eye or left. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this for a living. So then I thought I was going to do family medicine, take care of all the ladies, birth to death. And then I thought ladies really complain a lot. And so maybe I don't want to be a ladies lady doctor. And then you did GI. And and then I did GI. And all the women are coming to me for their abdominal pain, right? And so then I went into hepatitis because I thought I need to get more dudes into my clinic. Dudes like to drink beer. I'll become a hepatologist. So that's honestly why I became a hepatologist. I needed a balance because I could just scope all the ladies and all the CEOs of the hospital, their wives and all that and remove the polyps. But I needed some men in my clinic. (laughs) And so now I get to do both. And it's amazing. I get to remove the polyps. I get to cure hep C. And then the women continue to follow me just in a leadership way. And now that's a major part of my life. Uh, But I'm in a different place in my life. So it's fine. And it's uh, amazing. And the community I found with women in medicine and women entrepreneurs and women leaders is just, oh my gosh, my tribe, my, my love, my, they see me, they know me and we know each other and we get it. We get each other. And it's been so powerful. Now I can't get enough. I have to do it. It's my passion. I love it. I love it. So you've talked about smart a couple of times and I call BS complete bullshit on that stuff. You (laughs) are obviously incredibly smart. So at what point did you realize that you were smart and that maybe there were just resources that hadn't let you optimize it and maybe you were just not seeing or were not in a space where you were given the vision to see just how smart you were? Yes, I really think it was um, as I became program director and was a leader in multiple different ways around the hospital and people kept coming to me advice. And people kept coming to me for career advice, for leadership advice, for crucial conversation advice. And I said, wait, people are following me. So I must be a leader. And so that's when, when I started to believe it. And then I realized I had to take this seriously and I had to get more training, more expertise. And I had to, as you said, acquire more information, more knowledge, just like you teach the, the women in Money Fit MD that money isn't hard. You're just haven't taken the time to get educated. And once you take the time to get educated, you realize that all things are possible. And so it was something that I was ignorant on. And I only took the path that was delivered right before me, which is just do this, do this, this, do this. And then to realize that all things were possible for real was magic. And then I took my life on a whole different trajectory and no longer went with the expected path. And then I meet with people and they say, well, what are you going to do with this, this, this? I don't know. I'll figure it out every year. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. And I would figure it out. And it was amazing. I'm still figuring it out. And I'm only, I'm going to turn 50 this year and I'm getting baptized in the river Jordan. And I'm so excited for my 50th birthday because I have to do something big. And so it's a, I'm figuring it out and I'm 50 and I hope I'm still figuring out when I'm 60, that'll be excitement and that'll be growing and that'll be developing. And so all the women, in fact, I just got off a coaching call with another 50 year old and she was so upset that she hasn't arrived yet. And I'm like, oh, girl, I hope you never arrive. Keep going. Keep striving. It's amazing. So anyway. I love it. I love it. And what I think is interesting, well, many things interesting. (laughs) Just so you know, when you listen to this podcast, guys, I would probably have listened to it three times already because I already know in the middle of this conversation that I want to go back and rewind and hear because (laughs) this is not just for you, y'all. This is also for me, right? So good. The interesting thing is this. You were a program director before you came into the realization of who you were. 
And I think that's a really, really important thing because a lot of times there's always this perfectionism that comes to us as women physicians and as physicians where we think we're going to, we have to dash so that we can dash. Like you were already successful. So there is so much you can do. There's so much you can achieve even when you think you're like not good enough, Mm -hmm. right? And part of that is by looking at what you're good at. For you, you were like, I was good at working hard. Mm -hmm. And I think there's always that thing where we're like, we focus on what we don't know. We focus on what we don't have. And we forget to use what we have to reach where we want to get to. And for you, it sounds like working hard was something that, I mean, I don't want you bringing out. I will go and talk about it mm-hmm. in a bit. But for you, that was the foil that mm-hmm. got you to the point where you truly started to see yourself as, I'm amazing. Yes, yes. It's so true. And it's so crazy, right? When you look backwards. And many people that would be considered arrived already. But I felt like I was just showing up to the party for the first time and I had no idea what was, what was before me. So it was fascinating to have that realization. And then all things started changing all things in my personal life, my family life, et cetera. When I realized the power that we already have, that I wasn't taking advantage of, I was just going, it's like a big river was pulling me along and I had no idea where I was going. But then when you get enlightened, you go, oh, I can climb onto this boat. Now I can steer wherever I want. And then you feel so much more empowered that I don't have to go down that waterfall. I don't have to keep going at this speed. I don't have to hit that rock. I can steer and I can go where I want. So it was, it was pretty cool to be awoke to that. Let's talk about power that you mentioned. Yeah. I think that as women, we are so socialized, and this is not general, right? But I mean, this is generalizing, mm-hmm. right? But there are exceptions to the rule. But yeah. we're socialized to think we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. We're socialized to look in the mirror and look for what's missing. We don't see what is. We're so mm-hmm. socialized to being less, to seeing ourselves as less than we are, mm-hmm. that when we start to realize that we may actually be more than we think we are, there sometimes can be fear about what happens with power because women have been taught that power is dangerous. Power is bad. Mm -hmm. Power breaks your life and messes up your life. Mm -hmm. What do you want to talk to me about that? What's your wisdom? Those are all amazing, amazing wisdom nuggets right there. Just having that realization that power is powerful and it should be respected and it doesn't need to be scary. Power can be used for so much good. And when we take advantage of the power that we have just by who we are and our experiences in our life and who is drawn to us, we can use that power in such a positive way. But we've seen power misused in so many negative ways that it makes us fearful. And then we've seen women of power possibly not use their power for good and possibly go along with those that are misusing the power. So it also is fearful. And then how people receive that power, we take that on so personal that we don't want to offend anyone and we don't want our light to be too bright and then we're going to blind others. And what I found out is we do, we do blind others. But if we do blind others, 
then they can step away and it's okay. And we don't need to let that be the reason why we don't turn up the power. Because when I really came to own my power was then I realized that it was being selfish of me to not utilize my power to help others and to not step up the plates and to have hard conversations that only I could have at that moment because of the power that was given to me and that I was playing it safe and that I was being inauthentic and that I was playing a card that I knew was going to work in my environment. And that was not good. It wasn't serving me. It wasn't serving those behind me. It wasn't serving those who didn't have a voice yet. It was only serving the power structure that was already in place. And it was really, really safe. So when I started doing things differently, it was more risky, but it was way more authentic and way more fun. And I slept way better at night when I actually started doing it. And then I inspired others to do it too and say, we can have these hard conversations. It's only a conversation. It won't kill you. So yes, you can. So I learned a lot. I love that. And what I'm going to say is if you've listened to this, I want you to go back for like, I don't know, three minutes. I mean, you're probably going to listen to this episode multiple times, but you can go back and where she said power, replace that with money and take that advice. Mm, Take that advice, right? Because money is another thing that we have seen negatively used. And I like, I love analogies and I think my people do too, but I tell people that money is like water. Like what's the shape of water? Mm -hmm. It takes the shape of whatever container you put it in. So is power. So is money. So power doesn't change you. Actual power does change you, which is a good thing. Money Mm -hmm. does change you, which is a good thing, but not having money changes you, not having power changes you. Mm -hmm. So you can change or not change. But when you are a person that I believe you are, if you listen to this, which is an amazing physician, amazing human that cares about humans and wants to impact the, your life and the world for good, then I am confident in the fact that when power is in your hands, when money is in your hand, and you do change, it's a great thing. Mm. Great thing. And literally, you changing because money is in your hands, because power is in your hands, is the exact prayer of our foremothers. Mm-hmm. They prayed for this. They prayed that you would change. They prayed that you would have money. They prayed that you would have power mm-hmm. because they know and they recognize that money and power in the hands of women and men that are good and women that are good is how we change the world. Mm-hmm. So if you've been afraid of money changing you, if you've been afraid of power changing you, it may be because you've been listening to the powers, the structures that be, that tell us that that's a bad thing, that's a scary thing. And that is the one way for us to be the same, to keep the status quo. Mm-hmm. And that, my dear, may be complacent. So mm-hmm. we don't want that. We don't. I love that. That's so powerful. As that is how we're controlled with the fear And I love your analogy of we're changed by having it all, but we're also changed by not having it all. And the choice is ours. That is so beautiful. So much wisdom. The choice is ours. And honestly, money is not, it's not like, I don't know what takes over. It's not like a spirit that takes you over. Power doesn't take you over. (laughs) You actually are more powerful than all those. Like you respect them, like Don said, right? You respect yourself and you remember and see that there are tools Mm-hmm. that you can hold in your hands. I mean, when I think about you, when I think about me and some of my other people that I know, when we have money, when we have power, when we lead, it changes us for good. 
But we also ditch that when we get into areas that we don't want to where, you know, a kid is like, mom, come clean my butt. Like, I have the power. No, I don't care about your power, homie. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. So this is not something that's uncontrollable. Mm -mm. This is something that it only becomes uncontrollable if you choose to not see your power. If you have character, what I call character amnesia, where you forget who you are and the fact that we are all continuing to evolve and change and evolve and change. And you saying, I don't want to change, honey, dude. Whoever you are, you already changed. You last year is not you this year. And that's a great thing. If we did not change, we would all be dead from COVID because we were not walking around with masks on two years ago. But thank God we changed into mask wearing humans. Otherwise, you and I, you'd be listening to this podcast in heaven. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's so awesome. we're changing. And that's a good thing. And I think that's, we need to stop being afraid of change so much because we've been taught and conditioned to think that it's dangerous. You can't handle it, sweetie, mm-hmm. honey, mm-hmm. dear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no more control. We need to break free, and we need to be in control of the changes in healthcare and the changes of the conversations that need to happen in the hard, hard places. So I love it. You mentioned something earlier that I want to go back to because again, you keep dropping bombs. You mentioned earlier that when you, you know, started practicing, you're doing GI and hepatology and you're scoping and a lot of the CEOs and their wives, a lot of CEOs are men. Let's talk about leadership and diversifying leadership for a second. How has that evolved? I mean, because you're a leader. So let's let's talk about that because I truly, part of what I do with money is I love, I literally think my job is to help put money in the hands of women so that we can do crazy shit, including lead. Authentically. Right. So can you talk a little bit about leadership and the diversity you've seen absolutely. or lack of? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When I started on my journey, I was leading in a role called the clinic staff or organization. I was the president of that. So that means I was at every board of directors meeting, but I was a non-voting member. So I was able to be there for three years, see what really goes on, what conversations really happen at the table, as well as the orange juice bar right outside and kind of learn how everything works. And so you can imagine how the C, how the board of directors looked at that time. And so I saw, hmm, there's, that's very interesting. And so when they were having discussions about things like time off and how the structure was going to be for hospitalists and things said, well, they don't really need vacation because they're on one week and off one week. I'm like, what about when she has a baby? Like, should we think about, you know, that 50% of your hospitalists are women and maybe we need to bring that into the conversation. Like, oh yeah, we didn't think about that. I said, of course, why would you? Because you're all one gender and none of you have been pregnant or nursed or anything. And so I was able to start having new conversations for the room. Well, it became obvious that we needed to shake things up a little bit. We need to have the board of directors represent the body of who we were. And we were representing that in the clinic staff organization, which was another elected group. Anyway, fast forward to, I had to put together a group. So I picked the angry surgeon, the sweet pediatrician, the burnt out pathologist, put 20 of us around a room. We said, we need to do a thing. So this was July, 2017. We said, okay, let's pick a date for October. Let's send out a newsletter to all the women physicians who is interested in learning about our uh, impression management, how we show up and how we advertise for ourselves and negotiations. Those are two areas women are horrible at. So for a half day conference. 
So a couple of weeks later, I talked to my executive assistant. She said, where do you want to cap it? I said, what do you mean? Like we got 20 or what? She's like, no, we've got 85 signed up. And I'm like, what? 85? Okay, let's cap it at 100. So we capped it at 100. Of course, we ended up with a, with a standby list right away. And so we had this thing and I knew I needed to invite the board of directors, all the guys, all the chiefs, all the chairs to be there for the dinner reception or the wine reception afterwards. Not only that, but I invited them to bring the wine. And so they're like, oh, I'm the hero. I'm providing something. And so we all had our amazing bonding from all over. So people were driving 200 miles because the healthcare system I was in was all over the state of Texas. So they all drove together to come to this little resort in the middle of nowhere. And we, we bonded, we learned together. And at the end, there were people crying at the back saying, I've been seen, I've been heard. Maybe I don't need to quit medicine. And then when the men showed up at the end, the male leaders, they went, oh, this is where all the the future leaders are. We didn't see that. We thought y'all were busy at PTA meetings and soccer meetings and doing other things. And we didn't see who these people were in the room. Well, after that, we ended up now... We've got three women on the board of directors. We have a black female on the board of directors. We have diversity and more diversity coming all the time. And so it has been amazing to watch that transformation. So we're not where we want to be, but we are moving there and moving there quickly. And so in just a short period of time, because the Me Too movement was coming out at the same time in October 2017, then I wrote that grant for the Physicians Foundation, got $100,000 to actually monitor this with the Maslach Burnout Index and show that we moved retention, engagement, and burnout for women physicians. For those that participated, the 200 women physicians that participated over the two-year period of time. So it changes who represents us at all levels. And now we've got a ton of chairs and a ton of chiefs and a ton of program directors. So all the leadership positions are now the glass ceiling is breaking and conversations are occurring and people are questioning, wait, did we have some female applicants? Did we have some diverse applicants? Are we paying attention to who's showing up and not just going with the buddy you went fishing with last week? So it is changing who's showing up at the table. This is why we need diversity in leadership. Because we know that when women get into spaces, we open the door for other people to come in. And that's what we need because we want men at the table. We want women at the table. We want everyone at the table because the world doesn't look one color. And if we are serving in this world, we want it to be representative because how are we supposed to provide and care and give and grow and decrease disparities and improve outcomes and health when the people at the table have never been pregnant before? Exactly. Yeah. So that's why this is important. So since this is a money podcast, of course, everything we've talked about is applicable, but I'm curious to hear, is that something that you heard because I do hear a lot from people about money and I don't know if the environment around where you worked was how did money play an impact in being able to do dangerous things ah yeah no that's that's so important so in my role it was fascinating because I was not paid real well at the beginning as a the first female gastroenterologist hired at my institution and Because of who I knew and the conversations that I was having, that was noted and that was corrected after several years. And I got a large raise to make it better. 
they also knew that because many of us were in spaces having conversations and asking creative questions, that they better do this right. And they did. So most of us were paid by our VU, not based on gender and wheels and deals and things like that. So I was really proud to be able to show at my Grand Rounds presentations about things that our pay was basically equal per specialty of whether you were one gender or the other, if we're going to go with the binary genders. And so that was good. And then for me, the power of money, I knew that at one point I was ready, I was burnt out and I was ready for a break. I was ready to take 108 days to catch my breath and peace out. I I need time out. I made it through the first COVID surge. I got my, I was the chief of the division at the time and I got everybody vaccinated. I got everybody cared for. I got all the PPE we needed. I got my vaccine and then I resigned. I said, I'm done. I I need a time out. So at the top of my career, I left because I had one year's worth of savings. I had power. I had money. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't concerned. And I knew I could take a year off. And so because I planned in that way, because I I sold the mansion because I cut back the spending because I did all the things I needed to do. I felt like all things were possible for me. And so that's when I signed up for a lot of coaching courses. That's when I got certified as an executive coach. That's when I started to look around and go, what else is there that I can empower women with in a way that I'm not just removing polyps and doing this on the side, but what else can I do that makes this a focus? And I started doing podcasts. I started doing interviews. I started doing, started my own YouTube channel, signed up with Dr. Una, signed up with Empowering Women Physician. And I learned so much and I invested in myself. So having the power to be my authentic self and to try something new and different that definitely wasn't on the program of what we're supposed to do. And then to inspire so many of my colleagues to do the same thing and watching them blossom and bloom and turn into beautiful humans that no longer feel stuck has been life-changing for me. And to see the value of money and having diversified income streams, not being stuck to being an employed physician has set me free. What a gift. Burnout, multifactorial. There are systemic forces at play, but when we do brave things, yes, things will change. Things will break, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. It's already not working. And I, I loved that you also took care of yourself mm-hmm. because a lot of times as women, it's easy for us to feel guilty about taking care of ourselves. Oh, and I'm sure you probably had brain drama about it because you are human after all. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important to put yourself in situations and in environments that focuses on you self-perfusing, right? Because imagine not leaving, even though you recognize that you had to leave. Mm -hmm. I mean, physician suicide is a problem. Mm -hmm. Not everybody that commits suicide has a history of depression. Mm-mm. it's that knowing I have a choice mm-hmm. and it's okay for me to leave even when everybody thinks I'm crazy. I cannot mm-hmm. think of a better definition of being authentic than that. <laughs> so true. So true. Right? So I just love that you leave it. I love that you display it. Right. And you and some of the fabulous physicians have an amazing conference coming up about authenticity. And I mean, we have to talk about that because we cannot not talk. I mean, it would be, it would be right. illegal and immoral for us <laughs> to not talk about the authentic city, which 
I am going to be speaking at, and I cannot wait to pour out. I am ready because I want every woman that's there to leave feeling like we are ready. And I cannot wait. So tell us about that conference. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're so excited that you're going to be speaking on helping us to build wealth. And it is more than okay. It is our prerogative. We have to do this for ourselves, for our children, for our patients, for our healthcare systems. We have to build the power so that we feel the freedom to do all the things. So thank you for being a part of the conference. So what it's called is the ACE Conference, Authenticity, Courage, and Empowerment. Exactly what it takes to be an awesome woman physician right now in the middle of a stinking pandemic. We've got to be authentic. We've got to be courageous. We've got to be empowered to do the right thing and have the hard conversations. So it is going to be in San Antonio in person. Yes, for the love of God in person. Eyeball to eyeball, give each other hugs, all the things. So we're so excited. It's going to be April 28th through May 1st at the beautiful La Cantera Resort in San Antonio. So it looks like a beautiful wedding venue or something. You know, it's going to be a perfect weather. It's going to be perfect place. And you're going to be surrounded by perfect humans. We've got 21 amazing speakers, <laughs> including Lati Fat herself. We've got Dr. Sunny Smith, Dr. Hala Sabri. We've got life coaches. We've got people talking about sexuality and perfect parenting, breaking up with perfection, changing your definition of success, uh, no longer wanting to be resilient. We're talking about side gigs. We're talking about getting into pharma, getting into legal. We're talking about getting into real estate. We're talking about running coaches, Zumba instructors, yoga instructors, art instructors that are all physicians, surgeons, palliative care doctors, hospice doctors. These are us when the trenches. 70 to 90% are mothers, just like physicians in the real world. Women, um, many of us are mothers. So we're talking about all the lies that we tell ourselves, all of the shoulds that we tell ourselves and how to break us free. We're also going to have legal counsel there. We're going to have photography there. We're going to have coaching there. So you can try it on. It's not this woo crazy thing, but it's actually just reframing our beliefs and our self-talk so that you can have different outcomes. So it's going to be magic. And you're going to be with people who see you, who get you, who feel you, and who are in the trenches with you. And they don't think you're crazy. They just think you're doing an amazing job at the best thing you've been handed and you're making the best of it. And then you're becoming empowered and you're doing it in a way that feels right and genuine to you, not the system you were thrown into. I told you guys, she's amazing. The <laughs> conference, I, I cannot wait to be there. And I mean, the location, I've been there before. It's gorgeous. You guys have done a great job of planning the conference. It's been inspiring. Everyone of us like, oh my God, this is the most organized conference in the world. I'm not joking, guys. And I've spoken at a number of conferences and I can tell you that. Yeah. And, and that's all Dina George and Nora Vasquez. They are and like Don too. Yes. Yeah, all three of you ladies are amazing, amazing. And just examples of what's possible when we take care of ourselves, when we expand our community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When we, the power of saying yes and the power mm-hmm. of doing something maybe a little crazy and different. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And honestly, a year ago, you're probably the only doc that I knew from a year ago because you were another female gastroenterologist and that's the only reason, but all these other women that are now my business partners and speakers and people I'm communicating with every week that I'm loving on and we're praying for each other's kids going through COVID or whatever, we're living life together. 
they weren't even in my life a year ago. So the amount of transition that can occur in just one life of investing in you, your life, your power is phenomenal. And it blows my mind where I am today compared to exactly 12 months ago was when I signed up for all these things was exactly this week, you know, last year. Happy anniversary. Thank you. you know, as you were listening, the topics that are going to come up, and since we're talking about authenticity, how to be authentic as a woman, as a leader today, one of the things that you mentioned is stopping resiliency. Uh-huh. And it reminded me, actually, someone asked me if I can talk to a group of women physicians about how to be resilient. Mm. And they said, I think you're a great person to talk about this. And I actually didn't respond. And they they listen to my podcast. And when they listen to this, they're going to go like, that's why you didn't respond. I just didn't respond because I wanted to think about it because I don't like resilience. I didn't respond. And then a couple of days later, they asked, like, I'm so excited that you're going to be speaking. I said, I am too, but on one condition. She's doing amazing. She said, what I said, I can say whatever I want. <laughs> yes, I said, good. And that second condition, not resilient, <laughs> not resilient, not resilient. And she was like, oh, why? I said, we don't have problem with resiliency. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So if you let me have that topic, mm-hmm. I would like to call it not resilient. And if mm-hmm. you say yes, then I'll say yes. And she said yes. And so I'm going to be talking. And changing this from resilient, and I'm going to be talking to a group of women physicians about not resilient. And I am super excited about that. So much more powerful. So much more powerful. We are killing it around resilience. We know how to be resilient. Resilience is killing us. Correct. Let's just say that. Let's just say that, right? And I think it speaks to the power of being authentic because I could have gone and said yes and how, you know, talk about it and, you know, sort of like, you know, tiptoe around a little bit. Mm. Part of authenticity is realizing the power that I have in my voice, realizing the power that I have in in what I have to talk about and realizing that I know what my people need, what my women need, because they tell me all day. Mm-hmm. And I see it all day, right? We don't have problems with resilience, but when we don't, you know, sort of like harness our own power, when we don't trust our own voice, when we don't realize the fact that our impute matters and what we actually think is actually maybe the right thing, we don't commit. And when we don't commit, we don't impact the lives that we could impact. So this oh, yeah. is just another example of the importance of being authentic. Because when you are authentic. Everything changes. It's so true. It reminds me of me being asked to do a talk about gender disparities. And she said, well, are you, have you ever experienced sexual harassment? And I was like, that's like asking me if I breathe. I'm like, are you serious? This is a non-physician who is setting it up. And I said, well, of course, but I don't want to talk about that because that'll be such a big topic. You know, it'll it'll just derail the whole conversation. And she's like, well, isn't that like talking about burnout and not talking about suicide? I said, "Ooh, yeah, it is. And so then I had to change my whole talk to talk a lot about sexual harassment that occurs in healthcare. And then boom, that took off with my career that I was being asked to speak about it all over the country. And then the line of women afterwards who were like, 
Thank you for validating me. Thank you for sharing the story. I'm not just one out who's experienced it, but you were able to talk about this from the stage and put it out into the light. And anytime you put this stuff into the light, it kills the shame as Brene Brown talks about. And so being able to light so many women's hearts at the meetings by talking about the hard things and being authentic and being true, but I hid from it because I want to stay safe and I didn't want to offend the powers that be. But I wasn't doing anything to be offensive. I was simply speaking truth. And some people do get offended by that and are threatened by that. And that's why we are more powerful than we know. But we can use it for good when we do it in a respectful way and we're not taking anything away from anyone else. And so I've been very blessed to be able to be in the room, to be able to have hard conversations, pointing out sexual harassment, gender discrimination, and having the 65-year-old white man come up to me and go, I hated your talk. (laughs) I needed to hear it. Thank you for coming. Drive safe. And I'm like, you're welcome. (laughs) Ish, maybe. But it gets them to think. And so it's so much fun to be authentic. So it's a little scary. It can be a little terrifying. But at the end, it's so much more powerful. And I feel so, so much better doing that other than the tiptoeing around. Because that's so inauthentic. And it makes my ankles hurt. And I'm not a ballerina. I don't want to tiptoe. I just want to go in there and go, this is the way it is. I didn't make it. That's just the way it is. But let's improve it. Let's be aware of it. So it's been so much fun. And unexpected. Unexpected. So good. So, okay, I'm going to go back to that 65 year old man for a second because I love the take on. I don't want to hear about it, but I was glad to hear about it. And thanks for coming. I don't want to hear about it. That's the discomfort, right? And then I'm, you sit in that discomfort, and I'm glad I got to. And now you get to go change your life. So, whatever that is, it may be uncomfortable. Sit in it, hear it, takes what's helpful. You can ditch the rest, but make sure that that. Decision is from a place of you in your elevated, highest self-concept, not in a place from being disempowered. And then you can go change your own life with it. Oh, so good. Done. I know. So good. So good. So, so good. good. You're so good. So well, good. We, we want to empower everybody to be their best and to make the world a better place. And this is how we do it. Model it, show it. And it's it's not always feeling amazing, but feel the discomfort, like you said, and continue to learn from it and move forward. And it can be beautiful at the end. I love it. Okay. So first of all, how do people register for the conference? Yeah. Great question. So you can www.authenticphysicians.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can also find Authentic Physicians on Facebook. You can also find on Instagram. You have to ask Dina about all that. She does all the Instagram. I'm not that cool and hip. I'm kind of old school. So Twitter's as crazy as I get. And then you can also find me uh, gutgirlmdconsulting.com. I do physician coaching and consulting as well. And drdonsears.com. So if you want to be more authentic, if you want to hire and work with an executive leader and coach, that's going to help you elevate what your concept of leadership is. Because women and men, we want you guys in the room. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to my podcast, we want you in the room. We want you to get your power. We want you to get your money right. And mm-hmm. we want you to build the life and change the world together. Mm-hmm. This has been so, this is, I mean, I knew this was going to be good. It was even like to the 10th power, even I knew it was going to be amazing. And now it's like even more amazing. And I cannot thank you enough for taking the time and just sharing with us in all honesty and authentically 
about your journey and how we can also be a part of improving our own lives authentically. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me on this journey and for authentically walking through with me on this path that we're all on together and having all these others follow us. It's so much fun. And we are so blessed to have you speaking at the conference and in our life all the time already. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies, go register for the conference and find on. And I look forward. If you're at the conference, I'm going to be meeting you in real life, which is going to be awesome. And you're going to meet Don and all this amazing other speakers that she and her team put together. All right. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a fabulous week. And remember, I want you to share this episode. If you've learned anything at all from it, we want to get the word out. Share it with everyone on your social media and leave us a review by going to iTunes. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye. If you have loved this episode, I would love it if you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps us get this content to more women physicians. This is a money revolution, and I'm so glad that you're a part of it. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.